Hello, Carm here, and welcome to a strong session from three of your industry colleagues. Now, we're tackling overcoming owner burnout. Get ready to endeavor into some really great smart talk on delegating, recharging, and prioritizing things you must do if you want a life. My goodness, the average shop owner, I can see me, a 25-year-old guy working 50 hours a week with no family life, wondering how the heck am I ever going to take a vacation? Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here, the Aftermarket Podcast Guy, thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for their support of the Town Hall Academy. Now, here are important facts about Jasper. They have over 2,000 associates, three manufacturing facilities, two distribution centers, and 45 branch offices all across the country. Now, they're working hard to produce, transport, and deliver the perfect product. Now, that's what they do best here at Jasper. Keep customers happy so you can. And they are a 100% associate-owned company, and it shows. Go to jasperengines.com for more information. Hey, remember why you're engaged with the Aftermarket's premier podcast? You know, well, one reason is that we are providing genuine value for your time spent. No fluff inside these important stories and lessons. Every time the mic is turned on, we think of your valuable time and your desire to learn one new thing each and every time. So you maintain your upward learning curve. And don't forget, you can listen free on demand and anywhere in the world on your favorite listening app. Find over a dozen listed on my listening app page on my website. Find the notes for this episode at remarkableresults.biz slash A127. Now we're talking overcoming owner burnout. And my academy panel includes John Bachman from Bachman's Auto Care, two locations based out of Sycamore, Illinois, and also Napa's Auto Care Center of the Year 2019. Jerry Frank is with us, Auto Repair Technology, Brook Park, Ohio, and partner in Repair Shop Coach. And Jim Hayes, General Manager, Pacific Motor Service, Monterey, California. The Academy has become a big part of the North American aftermarket. Now, my guests always bring their A-game to help all chips rise throughout the aftermarket. And here's another episode where you will find my panel taking the conversation places you did not expect. This team dishes out solutions to staying fresh and relying on your team to help you accomplish all your goals. Find out what it took Jerry and John to leave the business in the hands of their team. Is it easy? Will you need to start slow? How do your people fit into this equation? Are they qualified? Have you prepared them? How do you handle distractions? These and many more questions answered for you right now. Okay, owner burnout. No doubt this is huge in any industry, especially entrepreneurial uh, people that are, you know, are the center of their world. And, uh, and they're working hard to build their dream. What I would love to talk about is a couple of things here. The perspective is there's an environment or a physical piece to overcoming burnout. And then there's another thing called working on you. And that would be the mental and the emotional side of this thing. And, I, and I, we're all going to cover this. Everyone's going to take a piece of this. But to start out with, Jerry, I want to talk to you about setting the tone. And the tone is... Um, your great story of about 20 years ago. And, I, and if you can share that for just a few minutes, then I think everyone can relate to saying, oh, that's me. He's talking about me. 
Yeah. Well, th- thanks, Carm. And I, I've been a shop owner 30 plus years. You know, I got the, the battle scars and the gray hair to, to show it. Uh, trust me. But, um, you know, things are great now, but they weren't always, they didn't always seem great back then. Um, and if you kind of go back maybe 20 plus years ago, which I feel should have been the happiest time in my life, two young, beautiful children, Jessica and Nicholas, um, lovely wife, Laura. Uh, you know, we got our home, uh, first home, uh, all of that, you know, the dog, you, you name it. You know, you should have really been, I felt like I should have been really living the dream. The All-American family. Of course, yeah. Uh, and I had every reason to really be the happiest guy on the planet. But, uh, you know, the truth was back then, I want to say life kind of sucked. <laughs> and uh, what I mean by that is... Uh, you know, I, I own my own business. You're you're running in business. It seemed like you know I I don't know if there were if there were 80 hours in a week. I would have probably been working those 80 hours for sure. You know, working all of the time, and it seemed like everything revolved around me. You know, does that sound familiar? You know, we we say we tell ourselves if you want it done right, what <laughs> you got to do it yourself, and uh, that's kind of where I was, and uh, you know. Uh, I, I would leave the shop at home or I would leave the shop and try to go home and really have nothing left for my kids. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you can't tell you the amount of baseball games I missed and all of that. Um, not really being compensated like we certainly deserve to. And uh, I was just fed up. I was at my wits end and kind of second guessing everything. Is this the right career for me? Uh, loved dealing with people, loved fixing cars, but was really uh, burning the burning the candle, I guess, and a rope at both ends. What'd you do about it? <laughs> well, I, I I really, for me, I looked inwards. I really tried to look inward, and I started looking at me. And it started with just like some of the simplest things in life. Uh, there was this man many years ago, Zig Ziglar. Uh, I'd pop in a little Zig Ziglar on the way to work. Me too. And just somehow, I started changing my thinking. Um, and that was really the start, the gasoline on the fire for me on improving me. The more I worked on myself, the better the shop got and the better life got for me. You know, I interviewed uh, Zig Ziegler's son, uh, Tom Ziegler. Uh, you, you can you can listen to that. Uh, Barry Barrett and Tom Ziegler. Uh, it was a great episode. You it's some really cool behind the scenes stuff with with Rick Ziegler. Thanks for bringing up the Zig Ziegler. It was always a person to go out and say, hey, you're going to be the best in the world, right? I can remember, if I can just say a quick little story, I can remember uh, listening to Zig on the way in. uh, And then when I would get out of the car, I would tell myself, some shop in this town is going to have the record-breaking day. And it might as well be me. And uh, just that thought process, it becomes infectious. The shop starts feeling it. You start, you know, it's contagious. And, uh, you know, change your thinking, change your life. Thanks for that setup. It's great. Now, we, everyone here on the panel has a different perspective on how we're going to solve this issue and, and make us uh, have less stress, uh, be more successful, and, uh, and be present, be present for our people, our business, and, and our family. Um, I, I want to go into a little bit of the, the challenges. Uh, Jim, you know, distractions are a, a way that puts us in a spin that gives us chaos and uh, it, it burns us out, but we don't even stop to think that we're being burned out and we keep digging and digging and digging and digging. The distractions that we see, that I see owners get, sometimes will carry them away from the initial goal. Right, and they lose the purpose basically of owning their business. Once their purpose is lost, and, and in Jerry's case, he didn't lose the purpose, but maybe he lost the, 
the bigger picture. And, and we're really here to provide for our families and provide for the, the surrounding communities. So I think some of the distractions could probably be caused by the loss of purpose or loss of focus, and then perhaps even interest in the business. So maintaining or helping the owner, if we're, we're not an owner and we're, we're a part of the team, is to help the owner to maintain the focus and understand why he's doing what he's doing. You know, that's a good point. Uh, purpose, focus, loss of interest. So, John, one of the great ways to try to combat that is to be part of a peer group, wouldn't it be? I honestly feel that way. Uh, every time I would ever, we go to a, a, a RLO 20 groups, and when we go, um, just sitting around with all the other owners, um, you're, you're going through that you're, you know, you're talking about the same things, you're, you're, you're bouncing stuff off each other. And by the time you're done with that, that three day period, and you get back to the shop, you are really just jazzed to get back to it and, and really work hard at, at what you need to do. And um, I, I absolutely love just going to our, our groups and, and, uh, and really getting excited to come back to work. I love the, the concept of networking uh, and getting jazzed. But let me ask you a serious, very personal question. I'm putting you on the spot here, John. <laughs> you come back, huge to-do list, inspired, I got to do this, I want to do this. What's the discipline to get those things done? Can, can, you know, how long does it take? Or have you said, oh, last time I was there, I didn't do anything I wanted to do? Well, that's the one good thing about having a peer group where you're actually uh, being held accountable by somebody. Uh, so, you know, we're always, uh, we every week we're making calls to our partners and they're, you know, we talk to them about what's going on, but they're also saying, did you get this done? Did you get that done? And then when once you get back, the other thing is making sure you can delegate to uh, your team so you can actually get things done. So isn't that a secret here? Fellas, let's think about this. Here we, you know, John's in a peer group, and I maybe both of you are, Jerry and John. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Jerry, you lead those peer groups, I'm sure. And, you know, to, to me, owner burnout comes from the fact that I have been held accountable. I did get something done. And there is an emotional feeling that when you check the box. I mean, you know, I think you're burned out when you never get anything done. You, you never move the company forward. But as you are steps at a time, there's got to be some endorphins that kick in and make you feel good. Yeah, I think what sometimes what happens when you're when you come back from one of those meetings, we call them recharge meetings. You are recharged. And uh, usually, you know, uh, most folks come back with a book full of notes, you know, and all oh, they have really good intentions of getting that that stuff done. And we all do. But uh, uh, we get sucked back into the shop. You know, it's like a tornado. We call it the vortex. And those things, then they don't get done. So some tips that I've learned is try to, uh, uh, you know, come up with a, at least, you know, take that three, four pages of notes and just come up with maybe the top two or three things. Keep it really small and manageable. And then, John, you said delegation is key. You know, sometimes we come back and we, what I used to do is I would delegate the task, but never delegate the responsibility and the ownership of that and micromanage everything, you know, and then life never got better. So delegation was a huge part for me also. So if you were going to try to change the pressure that you seem to put on yourself, Jerry, wouldn't you have to learn to say no more often? Oh, absolutely. Uh, saying no to, you know, everybody wants a little piece of you. 
and uh, I don't remember where it was originally brought up to me, but uh, they call it the Pareto principle. And you've maybe never heard of that, but I, you know, the 80-20 rule. And, uh, you know, the 80-20 rule, I quickly learned we make 80% of our money off of 20% of our customers. And I was saying yes so many times to the wrong 20%. Uh, you know, the, 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 the 20% that gave me, caused me the most of the troubles and the grief and all of that. So there's nothing saying no, you know, to, uh, nothing wrong with saying no to, uh, you know, certain customers. Same thing with employees. Uh, when, when you say, when you choose not to make a decision, you're still making a decision. So, uh, yeah, that's a great, great point. I don't want to be labor. Pareto, I think it's important because it may have a very important connection to what we're talking about as far as burnout. Like you said, employees, right? Sure. 20% of your employees give you 80% of your headaches. I mean, go down the list. Why am I, why am I tolerating that? Customers, percentage of your marketing programs. And if you think about, if you think about the kinds of challenges that you have in your world and you sort them out, like you say, in the, in the, in the sense of 80-20, you'll discover that. And you'll start saying no, or you'll start shedding the baggage. Absolutely. And, you know, again, you, you think about how you, um, you know, invest your time in your employees. And so many times, look, we all, we all wake up with the same amount of time in our day. And why is it that we spend 80% of our time on often the, the least productive people instead of coaching up the great people? You know, you're, you really got to kind of take a look at what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to and try to organize your time better. So, right. Thank you for that. I think that's a, a very poignant part of our discussion here is the 80-20 rule. Thank you for bringing that to us. Jim, you, you talked to me about having a wingman. I think that is, you know, that goes to the delegation piece. Am I right? Sure. There's. It's really important for owners, I believe, when they get to a point where they can, well, at very early stages, it would be great, but to have someone that they can rely entirely upon. So it takes someone that's bought into the system, someone that will own the responsibility of the result of the task at hand. And if I think you've referred to Dave Ramsey in the past, but he's got a he's got a statement that we want to have people around us that view the view our view our responsibility or our job as a responsibility, not as a job. So it's important to find someone that's trustworthy and capable to come into the situation that you can give entire blocks of the organization's responsibility to. And from there, you can start to say, to Jerry's point, you can start to say no to specific things so that you can say yes to more specific things. And there's always a flip side. So it always comes in twos. If you're going to say yes to someone, you're going to say no to someone else. So it's not that you're saying yes to everyone at all, at all, at all times. You're always going to say nobody if, or no to someone if you commit some of your energy and time resources to them. So if you can have a wingman that you can basically delegate large chunks of the operation to, then it would make it a lot easier for the owners to stay focused on what they are jazzed by. You know, I love that. Jazzed by. What, what the, the gifting that you have, what you love to do. And, you know, that whole delegation piece. Jerry, aren't you the guy who works five hours a week on the business? Yeah, yeah, now. And boy, I wish I would have found that out 20, 30 years ago. How to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it, and, it, and it's a process, right? You don't wake up one morning. I think you wake up one morning and your thoughts change, but it takes a little bit of time to try to, to get to that point. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I spend most of my time now about five hours a week working on the shop, primarily in a leadership role. 
And the delegation part of it was huge, you know, learning how to say no to people, how to delegate responsibly uh, or effectively, I should say. Delegation is a process. And I mentioned that before, but um, I think it's important to, to, to think in terms of don't just delegate the task. Um, you have to delegate the responsibility. So if you want your technicians to do a better job with inspections, you know, delegate that to them. Come up with a system. Things are either people, pro- people, or uh, people around around people or around processes. So I like to put everything kind of down in writing. I'm a little bit of a process kind of guy. I always say, if it's not written, it's not spoken, and that's a huge part in delegating. You just can't have a conversation with somebody. Write it down. Tell them specifically what you want to, want them to do, and then measure it. Measure those results, and they got to own them. I love what you said. Uh, it's a process, and here I am. I'm a young shop owner, and I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, "Wow, that is so cool! I can't wait. I can't afford to do that. How, how can I afford to uh, hire somebody of that level of quality so that I can work on the business for five hours a day? I'm not making enough money. There's the problem." And there's where the help needs to come from. And I I think what you're all, you know, when when you say coaching and when you say 20 groups, when when we say networking, it's, is it tough to do this stuff all by yourself alone because you don't know what you don't know? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible, possible, but it's almost more impossible than it is possible. It's impossible. It is impossible. impossible. But you do have to start. And that's the biggest thing is, is whether you're talking to, uh, the guy down the street who has a shop, you're talking, you, you find somebody that's, you know, through um, Facebook or, or somebody you meet through there, just start getting out and talking to them and finding out how they did it. Because when I, when I was, after I took over from my father, it's the same way. I was, I felt like I was in it. I felt everything was coming down on me. Um, it wasn't until I got out of it. I think I went to a seminar and I met other shop owners that, you know, you start talking to them and then things start rolling a little bit. And you're like, you know, maybe if I figure this marketing thing out, then I can afford to hire somebody else. And that's kind of how it all started. Okay, your customer's engine or transmission has failed, but now is not the time for them to trade their vehicle. Not without a working engine or transmission. Besides, would they have kept their vehicle another three to five years if their engine or transmission had not let them down? Well, if you answered yes, then Jasper Engines and Transmissions is your choice to give your customer's vehicle new life and many thousands of miles of enjoyable driving performance. When considering the high cost of a new or newer used vehicle, there's a pretty good case to be made for your customers to replace a drivetrain component that has failed or is delivering poor performance, rather than trading their car, truck, van, or SUV. Install a quality remanufactured Jasper product for less than your customer would have to invest in a different vehicle. Go to jasperengines.com to learn more about the money-saving value of Jasper. By the way, I, I really think that what we do here on the podcast, not only on our audio and our video and all of the shows that we produce, it's like being a fly on the wall in a networking unit. And, you know, my goal has always been to how can we lift the industry to new heights. And for you guys coming on talking about this, you know, it, it's it's phenomenal to think that this resource is there for so many in the industry. No matter what age and how long they've been inside their business, they can figure out how to change. By the way, a comment from Jerry Kaziah, who was on with us last week, by the way. Jerry says, if it isn't written, it isn't real. 
And I love that, Jerry, because I know you're a process guy. And uh, thank, thank you for that, Jerry. Um, question to the group, but specifically to John, exercise, anything that can help you recharge yourself physically, which, which helps the mind? I think exercise is a huge thing. So I had joined uh, our YMCA and, and started taking uh, karate classes. And, um, and just being physical, being, you know, taking yourself out of it, focusing on something else, it, it, it breaks away that, that day-to-day pounding that you get. And it really starts to, to you know, you, you feel much better. If you can hit somebody too, that's always fun. So that, that will, uh, re, you know, remove some of that stress when you're, when you're doing your uh, kumite and things like that. But I think getting out and, and whether it's biking or, you know, walking, running, whatever, I think just getting a little bit of exercise is, is, goes a long way. I think it's important to be balanced too and that you can't focus 100% of your energy on the same thing all the time without breaking down at some level. So it's really important to maintain a not necessarily a life work life balance because I don't know that we're ever in work life balance because everything's Marcus Buckingham said this the best way once you've achieved work life balance you want everything to stop because everything's perfect, right? So you're always going to have a level of frustration and stress that has to be dealt with by releasing and letting go and checking out of that situation for a time and and working out exercise study reading whatever it might be is a great way to break it off and and kind of refocus your energy to where it can be focused and i think there's positive ways to do that and sometimes we may focus them on negative ways you know you so many people uh you know maybe uh you know do some things that aren't healthy for your body uh body and i mean mind and spirit too you know for me it's always i i start all each day kind of in the zone i get up an hour usually before anybody else in the house and i'm always kind of reading something because i i think if you think about your head as a garden what you plant on it, you know, what you plant in there, all of those little things, you're either going to harvest a, a beautiful crop or a bunch of weeds. Um, so I think that it's kind of important. John, I envy you working out like that. I got to, I got to work on that. We're going to have to talk about some of those secrets on that. I haven't been able to master that yet. It's just, you know, it's just like anything else. You have to want it. And so it's setting the time aside and just going and doing it. It's about really trying to maintain your peak performance in, in all areas, which is probably impossible. But if you can get that release and that separation away from the focus and the stress of work, and this is where my role comes in too. I have to take Kevin, who owns our, our company, and sometimes pull him aside and tell him he's got to refocus some of his energy somewhere else so that he's not always buried in the stress of business. And, and hopefully, I, I would imagine that, both of you gentlemen have someone around you that, that takes on that role. But I think that's part of that wingman philosophy is having someone that can, A, watch out for you emotionally, watch out for you professionally, and watch out for you from a balanced perspective so that you're not saying yes to the business and no to your family or vice versa. You don't step away from the business too much and let it go by the wayside in the effort of uh, de-stressing. So there's an antidote to everything, and the balance is really within – within the management of those resources, I think. Jim, you got to be careful on the time frames that you set also, right? 
Well, uh, you don't want to have any ambiguous time frames um, too far ahead as you're as you're looking at your goals. Uh, that could that could bring on all kinds of stress if you're if you're really not setting quality time frames. Sure. Well, time frames come with goal setting, right? And I believe we all get into a business with an end game in mind. I mean, there are some of those who have the infinite end game or the infinite game in mind that are maybe going to be a generational business for their, their children and grandchildren. But I think it's important to set specific and measurable goals so that you can maintain a focused energy for a given amount of time and then move to the next set of goals. And without a goal to live for or to strive for every day, I believe that burnout, if you want to use that term, burnout um, exists primarily because we don't have the energy to have a protracted, extended focus on an ambiguous time frame. Jerry, you're big with uh, setting goals, right? Yeah, and I, I can tell you, you know, that was probably one of the biggest leaps for me uh, was goal setting. And I know, Jim, you, you mentioned it. And, um, you know, be, prior to that, I was kind of just drifting. You know, my I guess my, my goal or my game plan was come into work in the morning, work my tail off, and hope there was money left over. And uh, that's pretty much what I was doing. I was coming home, usually coming home uh, exhausted and broke. Uh, And then what really happened all for me, and this was, I kind of laughed because this was in a time, uh, see, I'm an old dude. This was before cell phones, you know, and automatic reminders and all of that. Somebody said, you know, you got to write your goals down and you got to see them every day. And I can remember this was maybe, gosh, 20 years ago, uh, just on a small, about the size of a business card. I wrote exactly what I wanted to do, how many hours I wanted to, to work. And the goal back then was to earn $100,000. And boy, that seemed like a million dollars. I was so far away from that. And just the act of writing it down and consciously thinking about it, I laminated it, laminated it, put it in my wallet, you know, looked at it every day. It was front and center. And, uh, you know, I, I it's what you focus on expands. It was like, laser focus, I was going to get there, measure it. And and it's just, just incredible what goal setting can do for your life. Guys, how does a tactic like that, Jerry, laminate the card, put my gold, put it in my wallet, look at it every day. Did, did that come to you or was that part of this whole networking and the, and the, the, the speakers you listen to, where did that come from? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, you, uh, Again, you know, it comes in, it's your, your brain is not garbage in, garbage out, it's garbage in and it stays in. So you got to be really careful with what you put in, put in your brain. And uh, some of that was really hanging around better people. Uh, don't remember who said it, you know, but what are you, the average of the five people you hang around with? And uh, when you start hanging around with successful people, John, you mentioned successful shop owners, you know, uh, you know, don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, you don't want to be a pioneer. Pioneers usually come back with arrows in them. Somebody else has, has already done this, but you know, start hanging around with successful people. They start talking about goals. They start talking about those things. I remember the first thing I did, and it may seem like so easy and so simple. I joined a BNI group. A peer group said, you got to join BNI. It got me out of my comfort zone. I was able to start speaking to people and hanging around with other business owners, some of them a lot more successful than I was. And you, you know, they give you a little bit, they give you these nuggets and really it's, it starts to change your life. You want to change your life, maybe change your friends. And that could, that could be pretty difficult to do at times. Absolutely. No, you're right on. 
another thing about goals is they really have to be, when I say specific and measurable, they have to have an element of time. You know, you have to have a when I'm going to get this done by, and you have to write that on the card too if you're going to go the card method. It's got to be what am I going to do, how am I going to do it, and when am I going to do it by. And that that really keeps people focused. And I think burnout in many cases is is really brought on by maybe even a lack of destination altogether. And those goals really kind of help keep focused on what the, what the heck we're really doing here. You know, and I'm not, I'm not your proverbial car guy. I didn't come from the industry. I did come from a, a business background and I see so many people get focused on, on the money or, or the business, but no, not enough on the people and the team. And I think having a great team around you is really something to keep you engaged as an owner. And, and that's, that's kind of what we've made a point to do here at Pacific Motor Services, to really focus on developing the team. When I came to the industry eight or nine years ago with Kevin, well, he's been in for 49 years, but when I came to it eight or nine years ago, I, I noticed that it was kind of hard to get quality people to come to work with us. And uh, I heard someone say that this is an industry that many people fail into at young ages. And I think it was Malin Newton, if some of you know that. Oh, name. yeah, sure, of course. And he said, uh, many of the people that are thrust into this industry are forced to do it because they're not great at the reading or the, the history, so they're shuffled off to shop class. And uh, I don't know how true that is, but there is, there is a resemblance of truth there. And we started to build and create this leadership program within the company that focuses on reading and development and growth and finance and getting people to think differently. You know, like Jerry said, we're changing their five people that they're the average of by changing them within our company. And we've got about 90% involvement. That means reading big, thick, dense books, sometimes psychology, sometimes philosophy, sometimes business and finance, and then discussing it every, every week we meet in the morning, way early, 6.30 in the morning. And we've got a really highly engaged group, which helps Kevin stay on path. And I think that eliminates a lot of the opportunity for burnout for him. Can you imagine the industries listening to Jim saying, are you kidding? I'm going to get my people to read these big, thick books, get up at five in the morning to be at work at 630 to have a, a meeting to discuss that. And I, high fives to you and Kevin. Fabulous. I'm excited. It's great stuff. And I think the industry needs to hear that and listen strong and hard. You agree, Jerry? Oh, man, I, I wanted to jump in when you talked about <laughs> some of those exercises, and I'm biting my tongue here. But, you know, people come in today, and, and they're broken. Um, you know, I think, the, the you know, overall, you know, who do they have to look up to? You know, families aren't as strong as they once were. And, and you know, often that technician, you, you mentioned, they come in and maybe they're, they're, they're at one point, you know, maybe – they got shoved into shop class. It's not like that anymore today. Cars are so technical. You need the sharpest minds to be working on them. But some of the exercises, I think you got to elevate your people. You know, I, I can remember uh, somebody saying that at one of our uh, uh, repair shop coach meetings, uh, one of the speakers, the guest speaker, we had a gentleman by the name of Larry Matega, but he said, does it seem like you keep hiring and firing the same guy? And how many times do we say that? You know, yeah, definitely. Um, and you've got to grow your people. And Jim, just to, to comment on that, your people are, they're like sponges. They're looking for a leader. Um, read, have your people read a book. It doesn't have to be a textbook. I started off, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And the first book we read together as a team was a book called The Energy Bus. 
It's a really thin book, non-threatening. I bought it for everybody on a CD and I just asked them to listen to one chapter a week. And you as the business owner, you got to listen to it too. And uh, we reviewed that book each and every week at our meeting, one little chapter. And what we're trying to do is influence their thinking a little bit, change their thinking, help your team think bigger. Not only us as business owners, but our, our people need to think bigger too. Well, sure. We've been doing this for about five years now. And we're, now we're beginning to speak the same language. And it starts to happen over time. And our turnover has gone from, who knows, 50% a year to zero, right? And we're speaking, I can go downstairs and talk about Carol Dweck's mindset. I can go downstairs and talk about the principles and the concepts that Jim Collins discusses in his three or four books, in his four books. And we read 12 to 18 books as a company together per year, which is not normal, I would say. For, norm, for even the typical outside the automotive industry, it's probably absolutely atypical for inside the, the automotive industry. But what it's done for the culture, and if you, you circle this back around to what mindset does, or not mindset, but the, the burnout mindset is, is that we lose purpose. And that's gotten Kevin, re, I won't say re-engaged because I don't know that he was burned out, but we can see the, the ups and downs and, and the burnout come and go with owners, I believe. But that's got him so focused and engaged and so, so fired up about having a good, consistent, solid staff that he can trust and it carries the business forward, which comes around to the community. The community now is excited about it. The employees and the teammates are excited about it. So I think within all that may be a fantastic antidote for, for burnout, possibly. Uh, I think we could spend an hour in, in that level of discussion. I want to thank John Bachman from Bachman's Auto Care, Jerry Frank from Auto Repair Technology and Repair Shop Coach, and Jim Hayes, General Manager Pacific Motor Service out in the Great Peninsula of Monterey. We we were going to talk about the change of environment. Is is what, I love where we're going, and I don't want us to stop digging deeper there. But sometimes for me, just a change of environment, like just going on a vacation. John, has that ever uh, been good for you? And you come back and say, "Wow, I reinvented myself while I was away." I, I honestly feel that any time that you can get away from your shop, and it's having first having the team set up that you can leave. But when you go away and whether it's a three day, four day, a week, two weeks, whatever you can get away, you come back and you are recharged. There's a, there's a whole new feeling. Um, I think you do have to get to a certain level where you're not always focusing on, on the, the shop and the best time when we get away, I know I probably, I used to call the shop all the time. Right. And then my manager is like, will you stop calling? It's you're, you're, you're just driving yourself crazy. So I, I started going away. I, I didn't think about it anymore. I didn't think about it until the next day I had, you know, the, I, after I got back, I had to go in the next day. That's when I started thinking about it, but it, it is just a, a way you can really uh, recharge your engines. Can you turn it off? hundred percent. Probably no. <laughs> okay. I, but, but you know, when you're, when I've grown up in this business, so I, I don't know any other way. Um, but I think you can really turn it down quite a, quite to a, a level that you don't have to worry about it anymore. And again, it is having a team in place that you can do this, you know, before I, I you know, you know, guys that, that they shut the shop down so they can take a three-day vacation or whatever they have to do. I mean, that's, I, I feel bad when I hear that. 
if they can get somebody in there that they can trust and they have a team around them, they should be able to leave, especially as a shop owner right, or a manager. You should be able to leave and and be able to to get away from it and just you know let it kind of calm down. So let me ask all of you, uh, tell me if I'm guilty or innocent in this particular situation. Um, always, you know, if I can turn some of it off, it's maybe I can turn off 90%, but that 10% just, it's just lingering there. I go to Disney, for example. John, I know you're a big fan of Disney. And uh, I'm walking around and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be present and in the moment and enjoy it. But there's that 10% that comes up and says, wow, look at how cool Disney does that. I wonder if I could take that system or process and bring it into my business, right? Now, is that guilty or innocent if, if, if that happens? Oh, you're always looking for those things. And if I could just add one thing, you know, I know uh, here, we, here I am. I'm, I'm four hours away from the shop today. The shop is open today. Um, my service manager is on vacation. And when I got up this morning, you know, I wanted to call and just kind of make sure everything was going just fine for the day. But really, when I do that, I'm creating dependency. And if I would have made that call at 8 a.m. this morning, I would have probably gotten four or five. They know I'm here for me or I'm here for them if they need something. And I wanted to just mention something, John, that you said before. And I know, my goodness, the average shop owner, I can see me, a 25-year-old guy working 50 hours a week with no family life, wondering how the heck am I ever going to take a vacation? You know, I can't see myself to even take the 4th of July off. They were probably working in the shop recently. You know, they were there tomorrow missing or yesterday missing some of that, some of that family time. It started for me with just a couple hours. Uh, I, I took Thursday afternoons off and I'd get out after lunch and just spend maybe two or three hours trying to work on the business um, instead of in it all the time. And, uh, you know, come hell or high water, I did that. And, you know, again, then that three hours maybe becomes four hours, five hours, and you're able to, to, to spend that time to recharge yourself. So many times we're going, 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 and we never t- spend the time to think what we really want. And it's so important. Speaking of uh, reading, we read a book a couple of months ago called Lead Yourself. And the primary, the premise behind this book was solitude. And how the best, some of the best leaders in, in history, and it covers 12 or 13 leaders, have spent time in solitude to develop ideas, concepts of whatever project they're working on, whether it be business owners, military leaders, or whatever. And I don't know that you're going to turn it off 100% ever. I don't even know that that's rec- required. But if you can have those hours and those days and those weeks in solitude, however you measure solitude, that gives you a chance to think of things and come up with things without forcing them. And they'll come to your mind. And that's where you get these epiphanies that, that really work, or that at least you have some energy to go back and take and try and implement. And if they fail, they fail. That's just part of life. You just go back and forth with things. And the more things you try, the more things on the distribution scale are going to work eventually. So I think that solitude and that time away isn't to necessarily cut away 100%. It's to give your mind a chance to reset and start to develop thoughts that are pertinent to what is important. So Jim just told me I wasn't guilty. Not guilty. (laughs) (laughs) John, when you go to Disney, can you turn it off 100% or are you looking around and saying, oh, that's cool? No, I, I, I'm always looking, especially, and it doesn't have to be Disney. I'm always looking whether it's, you know, a fast food place or a barbershop or wherever. If there's something that they are doing 
uh, in their business, whether it's, you know, customer service, whatever, I, I'm always willing to try and, you know, bring that back to the shop. So no, I'm not, I'm not turning it off totally, but I think you always, you know, you always have it in the back of your mind. I, I can always do better, right? I, I'm, our guys can always do better. We can always do a better job with customers or whatever it is. And so you pick up these nuggets at other places. I, so I, I don't think you really should turn it all the way off. You had a lot of great talking points that you sent me. You know, you were you were asked to come on this panel. And, and I know you all have some additional things to, to say. So let's go around the room and anything that maybe we didn't cover that you thought was really critical and important. Remember, we're trying, you know, you, you guys have figured it out. You know, you may not be all at the pinnacle of, you know, working five hours a week like Jerry is, but still the point is, how can we help uh, through some other great ideas uh, share share within the industry? John, I'm going to go to you first. I'm a big believer in reaching out to other people that have done what Jerry's doing and, and everybody else. So whether, I think whether you get on uh, Facebook and you, you find, uh, you know, su- successful shop owners, um, you, you know, it's like a bulletin board. I think you need to reach out to these people and I think you can really learn a lot from them. Um, I'm a big believer in re- not reinventing the wheel. Um, so I, I think as long as you can learn from others, take a break every once in a while, whether it's even in your backyard, you know, fire up a barbecue. If you have a pool, jump in the water, something um, that, that will really help um, kind of give you that, that focus again. Yeah. A staycation, right? I mean, stay at home, yeah. take some time off and, and do it deliberately. I mean, it's almost like you have to force yourself to do that and, and realize that if you don't call the shop, you know, the shop doesn't call you. Oh my God, there was the first time, the first moment that guess what? Monday, It'll be there. It's not going away. <laughs> my, my friend Mark Roberts says, if, if no one dies, just do it. <laughs> no one's going to die. Do just do it. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much, John. Jim? Well, I think if you really look into it, one of our, well, our number one standard here at, at our company is problem solver. We have a series of standards, and the first one on the list is problem solver. I think that being burned out is a problem. And I think if you take on that problem and you have a goal to overcome or, or solve that problem, then there's a logical antidote, whether it be getting time off, a staycation, whether it be having a wingman that can take some of that pressure away from you by completing some of the tasks that are necessary or to develop a team. There's an antidote to all of the stress that's out there. And that's part of life. I mean, whether you're working a successful business that you get stress from or that you have a business that's failing and you get stress from, there's always going to be an antidote. And I think the antidote is really within the individual. It's different for everyone. But I think what John said about people, having the best people that you can have in your circles is really probably the uh, best way to go about it. That's going to give you the guidance you need to solve any problem that's out there. Jim, thanks so much. Great, wonderful, wise words of wisdom. I appreciate that. Good to have you here. Jerry, last word. Well, wow. I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, most of us starting off in this industry, I started off as a technician. We weren't technicians back then. We were mechanics. So I was a mechanic some 30 years ago. Didn't know much about running business. Never went to college. Um but I learned a lot about people and leadership as time went on. And uh, the most important leadership role for me that I ever or you will ever undertake is the one of leading yourself. 
And, uh, you know, you, you say you want to, your business to change. You say you don't want to be the, the answer man all of the time. But um, does what you say you want in life line up with your daily choices? And often it's not. We're too busy. We're on that hamster wheel running, running, running. So take time for yourself. That's what you've heard all of us say today. You know, take time to recharge those batteries. Think about your business. Decide what you really want. And you got to make time. Sometimes it's just that 5% of your time, just moving just a little bit. We've heard big doors swing on little hinges. you got to start somewhere. So, man, I think about what the 57-year-old man here would have told the 20-year-old full of piss and vinegar shop owner all those years ago. You know, slow down, stop, decide what you want in life and go get it. Wow, that was worth the price of admission. Thank you. Thank you, man. John Bachman, Terry Frank, Jim Hayes. Appreciate it. Have a great continued long weekend. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.